Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to Farm Food Facts, presented by the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Bill Lentford. Today, as we sit at home working, sheltered, distancing, and wearing masks, we're going to talk about trust. The Edelman Trust Barometer 2020 has a spring update, and with us is Matt Coldagelli to share their findings and insights. The survey was conducted by Edelman Intelligence between April 15th and April 23rd and sampled more than 13,200 respondents in 11 different countries. Matt, welcome to Farm Food Facts. Bill, thanks so much for having me. You know, Matt, your insights on USFRA's leadership series were very welcome news. Um, I was surprised, though, to read the results of the trust survey. Were you surprised at all? Yeah, and and to to give a little bit of background about the trust barometer, it's usually something we do every year, annually, once a year, and it's it's something we've been doing for 20 years. And over that entire time span, government has never risen to the top as the most trusted entity. We look at four entities, government, media, business, and NGOs. And this instance was the first time government has ever emerged as the most trusted entity. And in some ways that makes sense because almost regardless of how well you think maybe your state government is, is handling it or the federal government is handling it, there's a lot more government in your life right now. You're encountering it on a daily basis. You might be watching your governor on a daily press conference. So it's much more present in people's lives right now. But that's what surprised me. Um, I I would think with all the news, with everything that's bombarded at us, uh, trust would be lower, especially with the fact that we now have over 100,000 deaths from COVID-19. Um, you know, when, when we pull it out country by country, I see that the U.S. increased, I think it's six points. Um, you know, were, were you surprised that it went up versus down in the U.S.? Well, the thing to remember is that it was it was starting from a place of distrust in in the U.S. In and, in, and in several markets, yeah. And it was you know it, we we came to the realization in in March um, and even in February, I think late February, having discussions about the findings that we had pulled, you know, at the end of 2019, it seemed like it, we were looking at a different world, and so we needed to to get back in and refield that survey. Um, to your point of, you know, it, it, on the one hand, it is because it's a chaotic time, you know, and, and the rules are being rewritten. But on the other, you know, think of what people are doing and who they're relying on and who they're turning to. You know, food and beverage companies saw, saw a significant bump. Um, and, and if you think about it, that that stands to reason because people are people are relying on, um, you know, grocery stores to get them their brands in, in one way, shape, or form, and they're cooking at home at levels they probably haven't in a long time. So you're getting a much closer involvement with these things that maybe you took for granted for a while. Or, you know, if you were if you were someone who, um, you know, dined out or did a lot of restaurant dining, you, you, there's a degree of separation there from actually handling the food and getting it yourself and, and preparing that meal. So it makes sense from that standpoint that people are having to, to reorganize their lives a little bit and get into much closer contact with a lot of these things. And, you know, Edelman does a lot of work in food and beverage. So, you know, I'm sure that especially when it comes to big food, where people have 
been, you know, shunting away from for years um, into smaller emerging companies. And now all of a sudden everybody's going back to the big companies, you know, Kraft, Mondelez, ConAgra, you know, all those companies, because frankly, they're on the shelf and they have more trust that these companies can deliver. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing a phenomenon rise where people are looking for things that they feel are reliable, that give them comfort um, and that they know they can get. And, you know, the, those those brands and those companies that, that you named there, they certainly fit the bill. And, you know, we've we've stripped away a lot of the different attributes that we might be looking for in food under normal circumstances. And now people are just looking for something that they can they can make sure they can get to their fridge or their pantry and that they can feed their family. And so a, a lot of it is hinging on just that reliability. So, you know, I noticed looking at Nielsen data that across the globe, uh, people have gone away from earth-friendly cleaning products to more petrochemical cleaning products. So my question is, um, after this, and, you know, those emerging quote-unquote healthier brands are back on the shelves, do you think that people will go back to, to some of those smaller brands or are they really in for a tough time ahead? It's a great question because I think that we are getting a new lens put on, on a whole host of products. Um, and, and, it's, and it's really kind of a reversion to, to something very basic of just you know, human health. Um, you know, I think of you know, what you're going to see in the restaurant industry with you know, not just disposable utensils and containers, but single-use menus. You know, just for when, when for if you go back six months, there was this this concerted movement um, to eliminate single-use plastics anywhere they they emerged. And now, you know, I think people are realizing that hey, plastics um, and things that are disposable that's an effective barrier between me and and the you know the world outside my door. And so, yeah, I, I could see some of those, um, you know, measures of value and what people are claiming to look for um, get reorganized a little bit. So what does that do to the environment and what does it do to the environmental movement that has been growing, um, not only with products, but concerned about climate change and, and really raising the awareness of all this? Do we just step away from that? Well, I'm sure we won't step away from it, but I, I think that, you know, there, there may be some new considerations around what you should be considering when you, you know, manage a supply chain. Um, you know, I've had conversations with, with people and it's, you know, you, you think of all, every company that you go to that, that is relying on an animal product. You know, if you went to their website, you you would be able to find a lot of information about their animal welfare policy. You probably wouldn't find that much about the different human elements of the workers in their supply chain and, and what is being done to take care of them. And that is where the demand is right now. People want to know that you are doing the right thing to keep your workers safe. You know, the trust barometer is is abundantly clear that people are wanting businesses to to put employee safety and welfare first to make sure that, you know, people come before profits and, you know, they, they're expecting CEOs um, and business leaders to, to be judicious 
about when they take steps back towards normalcy. And they're also expecting them to really do everything possible to work in a really seamless partnership with government. Um, you know, and that that's something that goes both ways. I think I think people are looking for government to really be um, a true partner to business because we're in unprecedented times. And, you know, I think people look at these 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 entities and, and think like, hey, let's all pull in the same direction a little bit here. Yeah. Another surprising thing that you're talking about businesses, only 43 percent of the respondents believe that companies are protecting their employees sufficiently from COVID-19. I was surprised to see that number so low. I expected that to be a much higher number. Well, it's a challenging it's a it's a challenge. I mean, this is this is something that is, you know, for for almost everybody walking the planet right now, unprecedented in their lifetimes. And, you know, I don't think it, anybody is expecting companies to 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 go out and throw a perfect game on this. Um, but think of the stories that that are bubbling to the surface, you know, where it is is clusters that are um you know, emerging in in places of work, um, whether that is in the delivery services or in food production facilities, um, you know, those are the things that are catching people's attention. And so, it, you know, it stands to reason that they're going to think that this is an area where there's room for improvement. And you know, on on one hand, it's it's understandable that that CEOs have have not rushed wholesale into the public conversation on this, because frankly, they had a lot of other work to be doing, um, especially if you're an essential business and you had to find out, you know, how you're going to stay open, how you're going to, to meet, um, you know, in some cases, spike demand, um, you know, that that was consuming a lot of people's time and, and making it so it was challenging to go out and essentially make the public case of here's what we're doing, here's how we're keeping workers safe. But But that is what the expectation is right now. For the first time in our lives, uh, certainly, and, and probably the generation before us, and um, but definitely part of our grandparents' time was the Great Depression. So for the first time in our life, um, we've never walked into a supermarket and seen half of it empty, or more than half of it empty. What kind of impact, long, long-term impact, will that have on, on the people um, alive today? It's interesting because, you know, when you when you talk about what we're going through, you mentioned the Great Depression, you know, that we're going through the largest economic shock since since the Great Depression. We've we've lost as many lives um, more more than we did in, in the Vietnam War. And I think in many ways this came on for a lot of the country with with the almost the shock that, that was analogous to 9-11. Any one of those things was a generation defining event that changed the way people behaved and thought and, and, and acted for, for decades. And so to roll them all into one, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to see how, just how deep and how far the ramifications of this are gonna go. I mean, I, I would think, you know, as we touched on earlier, there will be a kind of a, a, a remembering of the things that you could count on when, when times were hard. And, you know, even if we're going to get away from a place where, where there might be shortages and there might be runs on, on certain products in a grocery store, I think people will have, you know, some positive feelings for the, the things that help them feed their family 
um, during a time like this. So I, I would not be surprised to see, you know, some of these shelf stable products that people are maybe reacquainting themselves with after a long time to enjoy a little bit of a resurgence because, you know, it, on some level, I think people are remembering a very basic need that a, that a food product can fulfill. And also changing behaviors. I mean, I, I was talking to a reporter, oh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I said, one of the things you're going to see is, is really, you know, a lot of indulgent eating. And, and she laughed. And I said, what are you laughing about? And she said, you know, typically when I buy snacks, um, I go for organic, healthy, um, low sodium, whatever. And she and her husband are now eating like a, a, a box of Oreos every day. So, so I think you're right on that. Um, you know, Matt. Uh, what, what comes to mind is when I was a little kid uh, walking with my grandmother, um, there was a penny on the sidewalk. And, and this is a very true story. Um, and um, I said, oh, look, there's a penny. And she bent down and picked it up. And, and I said, Grandma, you know, why are you picking up a penny from the sidewalk? And she looked at me and she said, you know, you haven't lived through the depression. If you ever do, you'll pick up you know, pennies on the sidewalk again. So I guess we're, we're moving into that era where we're going to be looking for loose change, you know, everywhere. I've, I've made that joke uh, with my wife in my home that, you know, I've got, I've got two young kids and they're always going to, you know, for the rest of their lives, be, be telling the people around them or maybe their own kids of, you know, you don't really know what it's like. I lived through a pandemic. Um, and and I, I think for sure it's, it's going to be a, a generation defining moment. And, you know, it, it really is going to be an interesting time to see, you know, how deep and how long lasting some of the, the attitudinal changes that we're already seeing taking root actually last. Well, Matt, thank you for joining us today on Farm Food Facts and all the great work that, that you and Edelman are doing for U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. And, uh, you know, this forum is yours anytime you can update us on trust and, and other matters when it comes to our food supply. Thank you so much for having me, Phil. Thanks for listening to today's podcast episode. For more information on all things food and agriculture, please visit us at usfarmersandranchers.org. Also, be sure to look for us on Facebook at US Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time.